You are about to hear a message preached at Church One on the Gold Coast. To find out more about Church One, visit us on the web at churchone.com.au. And be sure to subscribe to these podcasts so you don't miss out on any new messages as they are available. The exact day that Jesus was born, and I know that there's you know, a lot of talk about that over the years as a Christian I've heard, but you know, I agree that we got to find a place where, you know, uh, the world can celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, and to me, that is really more important, that the world is recognizing the sign, who Jesus is. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, I spoke a little bit about this on Christmas Eve. Didn't get to finish it because uh, a wonderful young fellow came up and joined me on stage, as you know, uh, little Ben. As you know, little Ben has very high needs, and he is a miracle of God as it is. And, uh, and he wanted to join me on stage, and his dad was so excited. He said, you know, there's something. He was drawn to you. I don't know what it was. I said, maybe it was the microphone. No, but he's uh, a good kid, and he's uh, learning about life really, really well. So, uh, and, uh, so we're really excited to, to have them as part of our community join us last Sunday morning. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call him Emmanuel. I shared with you last Sunday how God is always trying to reach you. Uh, Over the years that I've spoken to Christians, they say things like, you know, I'm just not hearing God or... Uh, I don't know what God is saying about this thing, and uh, God doesn't seem to be very clear. I just need the will of God to be very, very clear in my life. Maybe you've heard yourself say that before. I'm sure I've heard a lot of that. And during counseling sessions, people want to pray about decisions they need to make. But when I read scriptures, when I read how our relationship with God uh, is meant to be that intimate moment and, and how we are meant to be one with God as far as when Jesus said he is the vine and we are the branches outside of him we can do nothing there is not only a oneness but a connectedness with God uh, and, and you become fruitful and I, I begin to realize that the will of God has little to do with hearing God just day by day or or knowing what he wants you to do here and there but hearing God is being with him first of all or being in Him, but rather being with Him. So it's not just a matter of, it's not this always this mystical relationship that we've been taught about. You know, I hear God about this and I hear God about that. Is that possible? Of course it is. You've got to hear God for certain situations in your life. But there's a portion in your life where it seems that God is distant. It seems that God is silent. And in those moments... I'm going to ask you this question, where is God in your life when you can't hear Him? When He seems to be distant, when it feels like you're not as close as you feel you should be or you are. And I love that song that says, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, you know, is that God is with you. That song really is speaking about this amazing work that God is doing that's outside of our understanding, that's outside of our feelings, that's outside of our sight. We can't see, 
the invisible, the things that God is doing in your life for your sake that you can't see. Those are the things that frustrate us. You know why? Because we can't control those moments. God is completely in control of the things that are unseen. Not you, not me. And because we can't see them, sometimes we feel out of control. And I love Isaiah when it says that God will give you a sign. And sometimes that's all you're going to get from God. Sometimes all you're going to get is a little word here. Maybe it's a circumstantial. Maybe it's a, a divine meeting with somebody. Maybe it's something that is completely sort of innocuous, something that doesn't seem much. But it's a sign that leads you to the next step. God sometimes doesn't seem, or at least, I would probably put it this way, not that God is not articulate or clear in what He wants or what He's saying to us. Maybe sometimes we're not as clear in hearing what He's actually saying. And here's what I've discovered in my own life. It's not that God is trying to tell me His will. God is actually shaping me for His will. You see... If I had a prophetic conference here, you'll be excited to, some people get excited, I want a, a word for my life. I want to know what God wants me to do. But if you are in Christ, if you are abiding in the vine, you as a branch is being shaped to become fruitful out of that vine. You don't need a prophecy. Oh, come on, somebody. The only prophecy you need is that in chapter 7 of Isaiah, therefore, he will give you a sign. And it continues to say that he, he will give you a child of a virgin. He will bear a son, and he will be called Emmanuel. Why is that so important? The sign of the virgin bursts in us the presence of God. Emmanuel means, everybody knows what this means, is what? God with us. That's what it means in the old language, God with us. And so when Christians say to me, oh, I'm just not hearing God about this situation, maybe we need to change the way we do things or the way we say things, the way we understand things. Instead of saying we're not hearing God, maybe we should ought to say God is shaping me to fulfill His will on the earth for my life and the life of my church, my community, and my family. God is shaping me through the storms. God is shaping me through my adversity. God is shaping me even in times where I feel He's so distant from me. He is shaping me because I have this one sign that a child was born of a virgin some 2,000 years ago. And that sign is enough for me to realize that God is with me. That is your sign. Don't need some billboard with lights. It's good to be encouraged by a prophetic word. It's good when somebody speaks prophetically over your life, encouraging you, because that in itself is a sign. It's a sign that God loves you. It's a reminder. I see prophetic words nothing more than a reminder of where you're at and where you're going rather than some kind of mysterious box being opened to you so you could discover God's will. The will of God is not something you kind of discover. It's something that is already within you that He has placed in you. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 
Verse 10, that He has prepared you before the beginning of time. And the only way you will actually understand the will of God is by being in Christ. You know what I love about this whole thing is that we as human beings, and I'm talking about humanity as a whole, did not reach out to God. This prophecy was given 700 years before Jesus was born. Now let me read to you the book of Matthew and how Matthew relates this prophecy. In Matthew chapter 1, from verses 18 to 23, it says, Now the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her public, a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. And verse 20, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call him Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. Continuing on in verse 22, it says, So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, him, the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and hear and bear a son, and they shall call him, call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Now, if Jesus, if the Holy Spirit or the angel said his name to be Emmanuel, why is it that Mary and Joseph called him Jesus? Ever thought about that? You ever thought about that? If it's supposed to be Emmanuel, or maybe you didn't think about, maybe I'm just the one that thought about that, right? Why is it? Because 700 years before this birth, the prophet spoke about the state of humanity. If you look at this passage of scripture, it, re, it tells us a few things. Number one, it says that man is distant from God. Both Isaiah and Matthew chapter 1 indicates that man is far away from God. Number two, humanity was oblivious to the presence of God. The Jews themselves in those days understood God. They understood uh, their tradition. They understood their customs. But they didn't have an intimate relationship with God. They were distant. But also they were in darkness. You know, when we talk about darkness with people, when you say, say that somebody is in darkness, most of the time people will say, well, they're struggling in sickness or they're struggling with depression, or they're struggling with mental health illness, or they're struggling with a financial problem, or they're struggling in their marriage. Whenever we talk about darkness, we always refer to the darkness of how dark our life is based on our adversity and our problems. That's how we gauge darkness. But the Bible gauges darkness differently. What we see to be evil we relate to darkness, and there's, that's mostly correct. But when the Bible refers to darkness, it doesn't just refer to the acts of evil that are not seen in the light. It also mostly refers to the deception of humanity of not being able to see the lights. Real darkness in a person is not, because you know you could be a good person. You could help the poor, Right? You could visit people in prison. You could visit the sick. You could do all the good things that every good person should do. You, 
and still be in darkness. You could be a Christian or call yourself a Christian and go to church and be in darkness. You know how many Christians I work with that are in darkness? How do I know I'm, I'm in darkness? When I don't recognize my sin. When I don't recognize my weaknesses. When I don't recognize the things that I need to change in my life. I'm in, I know of Christian leaders who are in darkness because they're refusing to change. Just the greatest darkness humanity experiences that they need to be set free from is the darkness of self-deception. Thinking that they're okay when they're not. Now it's not, that doesn't seem like a positive Christian message, doesn't it? But Jesus came to bring light to our darkness. He didn't come just to fix our problems because we think problem is equal to darkness. Jesus came to bring light to you so in the midst of the dark situations in your life, you will see him. And you'll see your purpose and, and you, 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 you experience his presence. And it is a dark world for what's it worth. In those scriptures, what I love about that is that humanity doesn't have the ability to save itself. You don't have the ability to save yourself. You know, you've heard leaders say to you, pastors, Say, you know, you have to just flip the switch. How many of you heard that? Have you heard someone say to you, you know, if you want to change, if you want your life to be different, just flip the switch. You, you heard motivational speakers say that to you, right? And in, the myth, in a conference, that's like everybody's excited. Yeah, I'm going to go and flip the switch. And you go back home and do the same thing again. Your life doesn't change. Your marriage doesn't change. Your lifestyle doesn't change. Your habits don't change. What happened? I was ready to flip the switch. You know why? Because it's exactly the work of deception. You could, you could have all the information on how to change your life, but without Christ, without the revelation and the relationship and the intimacy with Christ, we are incapable of changing our lives on our own without the Holy Spirit. And so God himself knows this, and this is why he sent his son. I've heard people say to me once before, I said, you know, um, how did you become a Christian? Oh, I found God. You know, I, I found God and my life was really bad and I found God. And Jesus has something to say about that because Jesus said, you, you didn't choose him, he chose you. And the reality is we didn't find God because it's not lost. We're lost. Come on, are you, we're lost. God found me. And when God found me, I found him. He actually initiated this relationship, folks. You didn't. And, and for, for what's it worth, you, many of you have come to God for different reasons, through different cir circumstances. But regardless of how you found God, regardless of how you came about in knowing Christ, God has not stopped from the day you were born in chasing after you. Amen. Somebody give the Lord a clap because he found you. Um, years ago, one of my favorite books, I don't know if you remember this in the 90s, for those of you who have been Christians uh, long enough to know and, and avid Christian, you know, readers, and uh, I found this book that I really loved. It, it was called The God Chasers. How many of you remember that book? 
You remember that book, the God, and, and I wanted to be a God chaser. But you know what I discovered? Um, I, I love the book, by the way. Uh, Tom Tinney wrote it, right? Tom Tinney. Uh, and, and I love the book. And, but I, I discovered something. I, I, I actually I kind of failed. Because every time that I chase God, it seems far away again. What, what, do you, what do I mean by that? Because God is unchaseable. You cannot contain him. The, the moment you think you know him, that's when you realize there's more to know about him. The moment you think that you've arrived in your relationship with God, that's when you realize you're so far away from God. It's, it's a paradox. The closer you are with God, the more you realize your weaknesses. That's why it's, it's impossible to be close with God and be arrogant. In fact, the more self-sufficient you become, I would suggest that perhaps our idea of self-sufficiency is an indicator of our distance from His Holy Spirit and our intimacy with Him. Because in my, in my own case, the more I chased God and the more I felt I, get, I was getting close to Him, the more it seems that He's just within reach and yet he's, I just can't reach Him. Because I realize many years down the track, God is probably not looking for a God chaser, even though I love the book. Maybe I need to recognize that God is a man chaser. That he's the one, after all, chasing us. He's the one choosing us. He's the one initiating the conversations. Uh, come on, somebody. Uh, I remember years ago, people said to me, you've got to pray to move the hand of God. Have you, some good old Pentecostal folks, you know, we've... We're like, we're going to pray. We're going to make heaven move. We're going to open heaven. How many of you remember those kind of prayers? You know, and I discovered, you know, I actually can't move the hand of God. My prayers can't move God. But on the other hand, it's his hand that moves me to pray. It's God that moves me in spaces. It's God who shapes me. He is the potter and I am the clay. And my response is to stay connected with his presence. Because God is with us, folks. He's not far away from you. He's always with you. When you go to work, when you go on the holidays, wherever you go, the, the, the psalmist says, where can I go from your presence? When I go to, what I, to the heights, you are there. When, you, when I go to the depths, you are there wherever I go. And he goes, when I go to the toilet, you're there. He kind of says it like that in old language. But wherever I go, Lord, in the darkness, you are, I can't even hide in the darkness because so much is the presence of God and so great that even darkness cannot hide him. God is with us. And the sign of Christmas for me is simply this, that in his nature, he reached out to every single human being. The reason you're here today in church, maybe you say, well, it's Sunday. No, because at some point in your life, God reached you. Maybe through a friend. And maybe through the, an adverse circumstance in your life that where you had no hope. But even through those places where there's no way out, God, reach your heart. And this morning, my prayer for you is that 
you would not be oblivious to the presence of God that has been with you from the beginning. You see, the presence of God didn't just turn up when you became a Christian. Come on, somebody. Oh, are you hearing me? The presence of God is in every human being trying to reach them on a daily basis. Your neighbor that you don't like, God's presence is trying to reach them. Come on, somebody. You know what I love about this is as I was preparing and studying, the Lord said to me, how are you reconciling yourself to reach to people that you don't want to be with? How are you, you didn't hear what I said? <laughs> how are you, recon, how are you going with reaching people that you don't necessarily want to be with? Uh, as human beings, you know, we don't have the same nature as God. We don't have the same level of forgiveness as the Heavenly Father. We don't have the same grace as God. But here's what I'm going to say. If we're going to be more like Jesus, I believe we need to be initiators of restoration. And I don't want to sort of unpack that too much this morning because you don't want to be putting yourself in a very dangerous, unsafe, or toxic situation. Right? But I really do believe that we need to start with our hearts and check our hearts and our motives and say, am I being God-like in the way I'm reaching others? You know, maybe you have a neighbor that you need to reach. Maybe you have a family member you need to reach. And I really do believe that if we really, if we really understand and believe what God tells us about the Word of God, that we carry something within us that should break through the greatest wall that people have. What does it mean to really have God with us? Could the musicians come up, please, as we close this morning? To have God with us as a believer means this, to live in the awareness of His presence continually. Can you say the word awareness? Awareness is not feeling. All right? How many of you feel God all the time? You can feel His presence all the time. How many of you actually feel the presence of God all the time? Because I don't. You're probably better than me if you do that. You're probably more sensitive than me. When you do that, when someone cuts me off in traffic on a bad day where I'm having a bad hair day, I don't feel the presence of God. I feel something else. <laughs> right? When I'm distracted and I'm stressed about some of the work that I'm doing and and I feel like I'm not hitting some of my goals. I don't feel the presence of God. I feel panic sometimes. How many of you know what I'm talking about? When some of the things that I've set out for my life up to this point at the age of 50-ish. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and, I, and I look at my tick boxes and quite a few boxes are not ticked. I get ticked. I had a moment with God last week where my wife had to rebuke me because I was driving and I was complaining to God. I was telling God, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do this? My life would be better if you did this. And what about that guy? Look at him. Look what you did for them. I'm better than them. I, I, I said those kind of things. 
you might think, you know, I've, I'm pretty honest with God with how I feel. I, I, I don't tell it to everybody else, but obviously today I just did. Uh, <laughs> but, but the reality is when I'm in those moments, I don't feel the presence of God. No, I don't, but I'm aware He's there. I'm aware that He hears me. And I'm aware that He can handle me. And I'm aware that His presence didn't leave me just because I had a brain fart, you know? <laughs> right? And I know that when I, I made the wrong decision or I made a wrong turn, the fact that I know it's wrong is an awareness of His presence. It's not just in the victory that I'm aware of God. It's also in my failures. Because awareness of God has little to do with how I feel or the results of my decisions and choices. It has to do by the fact that God says, therefore, a sign will be given unto you. That a son will be born of a virgin. And he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. Your awareness of God has to be based on the singular truth that Jesus was sent to us to be like us, to be with us. That the word 700 years before Jesus was born was not just mere words, they became flesh. For John chapter 1 and the word became flesh and he lived among us God is with us Emmanuel and as a believer don't ever lose the awareness that God is with you it might feel like you're distant from him for whatever reason it might feel like you can't hear him for whatever reason it might feel like He's not for you for whatever reason. It might feel like some of the songs that we're singing are foreign to you because of your circumstance. And as Sarah said earlier on, Christmas is an amazing time to be together with family. But it can be a painful reminder of the brokenness in our families. But it may be so. You may not spend time with the people that you love this Christmas. You may end up spending it time by yourself. And you're not alone in that. There's a lot of people that are lonely at this time of the year. But what I want to say to you today is God is with you. And if you just take a moment to recognize His presence. If you just take a moment to be aware that He's given you the greatest gift. Maybe, just maybe. Being alone is not what we always thought it was. Being alone is not a lonely place when He is with you. Amen. You have just listened to a message preached at Church One on the Gold Coast. To find out more about Church One, visit us on the web at churchone.com.au and be sure to subscribe to these podcasts so you don't miss out on any new messages as they are available.